Welcome to the Money Makers Podcast, brought to you by Sophia. Sophia is an exciting education platform for women focused on managing your money and growing your wealth. This podcast is the financial sprint, short bursts of money wisdom for women. And today's guest is Karen Holland. Karen is the founder of giftingsense.org. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Tanya. Good to have you with us. We're going to be talking all about children and money today and overcoming limiting beliefs and developing healthy relationships with finances. So Karen's going to talk to us about why and how giving your children the habit of thinking before buying can help them master the emotional side of money. We're also going to be talking about some typical childhood purchases and why thinking before you even spend any money is really important and sets children up for establishing a healthy and productive relationship with money, even before they become spenders. So we're also going to finally hear why Karen believes healthy relationship with money the best established during childhood, a subject very close to my heart. So I'm very happy to have Karen with us today. Karen, before I jump into my questions, what is giftingsense.org? Gifting Sense is a free public good, and it is a website and tool that we use to offer workshops to children where we help them learn to think before they buy. The tool is called the DIM score calculator. That acronym D-I-M-S stands for Does It Make Sense Score? This is a number between one and 10, and it helps a child understand if a possible purchase makes sense for them and their family before anyone spends a dime. And all it is is really a weighted questionnaire. We introduce children to the habit of asking and answering simple questions about typical childhood purchases before either they spend their own money or ask somebody else to spend theirs. And it's really a lot of fun, Tanya. <laughs> I know, I've tried it out. And I'm going to be trying it out with my children very soon because one of them has a lot of money at the moment looking to spend it. So this is perfect timing. I'm very Terrific. excited to try that out with her. Let's talk about your thoughts on talking to children long before they even have money to spend. So you know, my child is six and turning seven, and she has some birthday money. But you know, probably when she was four, she didn't get a lot of money. So you know, does it make sense to talk to children about money when they haven't really understood a lot of other things in the world? And can children learn even without having, you know, wages that they've or salary that they've earned or birthday money to spend? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Children can learn about money without having money to spend. The doesn't make sense score calculator, which again is the tool we use to get kids into the habit of asking and answering simple questions about typical childhood purchases, does exactly that. It teaches children that getting and using basic financial information isn't hard or boring, but rather quite easy and very rewarding. And this is all supposed to happen before anyone spends a dime. The reason it needs to happen during childhood is because our money personality, so those are all the habits and beliefs we have about money, it is developed right alongside our social personality, which means it's happening during childhood. My belief is that citizens around the globe continue to struggle with successfully managing their personal finances, despite the fact that we now have more amazing, widely accessible tools and sources of financial information and guidance than ever before in the history of the planet. So why isn't all of that helping? 
because hardly any of it feels relevant. That is immediately helpful when we're children and childhood is when our money personalities are developed. That's a fantastic answer. Is there an age that you think we should start that conversation? Well, I will tell you, I've only said no three times in eight years, no to giving a workshop. My personal feeling is that seven to 14, that is the sweet spot. Mm. This is when children, as you suggest, are starting to receive either money for holiday or birthday gifts, or they're doing odd chores. It's just when they're becoming more aware, they're starting to develop tastes and preferences for what they'd like to receive. We're all aware of climate change and the challenges that's imposing. So we all want to be planet protectors. Thinking before buying is the easiest way to be a planet protector. So within that age band, they're able to understand the concepts that we introduce in the workshops. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I actually tried to teach my children when they were five and seven, respectively. And my five-year-old, who's a girl, did struggle to keep up actually not to keep up but to be interested for it to be even right you even, know a, a lot of parents with younger children a lot of parents with younger children ask me oh you know can they bring this younger sibling for example to workshop and you know they, yeah. they the proviso is they're very good at math and i'm like it's not really about mathematical acuity it's you need to have enough life experience for the questions yeah. to make sense yeah yeah, yeah. And also, and also one of the things I found with my daughter is that she wasn't able to sit still enough to listen. You know, she's a baby, essentially, and just wants to run around and, and play. So it, it's trying to engage them. I know it, you can do it in small pieces, but I definitely saw a big difference in my seven-year-old and my five-year-old. So I hear you. Can you tell me if anything we're missing when it comes to financial education, when it comes to, you know, specifically around schooling or parenting? Okay. I think we are completely missing how much early financial education can accomplish. You know, we don't begin language arts by reading Dostoevsky. We learn the alphabet. We don't begin mathematics with Lagrangian multipliers. We will learn about numbers. We don't begin cooking with dinner for 12. We learn about ingredients. So I think that we're just way underestimating how much good, simple, early habits can accomplish. And there's a story I like to share from history that illustrates this point. Did you know, Tanya, that toothbrushing only became a daily habit after the Second World War? I did not. That so it's true. It, it's true. <laughs> only when soldiers who'd been made to brush their teeth every day because poor dental health was negatively impacting their ability to perform their duties, only when soldiers brought regular toothbrushing home to their families did it become a thing. Here's where I get really excited. In 40 years, which is a blip in the history of the planet, the simple habit of regular daily toothbrushing, taught and practiced by everyone, not just dentists, moved oral cavities from an early onset childhood disease to a late onset adult disease. So all our grandparents had dentures. My husband of 33 years does not have one cavity. Tanya, I believe the simple habit of thinking before buying can be just as easily taught and embraced as regular toothbrushing. And I believe it has the same ability to deliver a permanent improvement to the future well-being of today's school-age children. I believe every single word of what you just said. And I, I preach that also in this part of the world where I am in Singapore. Couldn't agree with you more. It's habit building. And one of the things I wanted to ask you actually is how does building these habits 
or not impact the rest of our lives. Because when I think about my own childhood, I didn't have financial education either from school parents I, th- I feel like my parents was ill-equipped actually um, to teach yeah. me that's probably the case for a lot of parents and that did impact my life because I feel like I was a late bloomer because of that and had to figure a lot out in late life so how do you think either receiving these great habits or otherwise and not receiving them affects the rest of our lives well I mean what we have right now is a situation where if you don't get any good habits You're forced to uncover your money personality as an adult because, of course, it's unconscious, just like our social personality. So you're forced to uncover your money habits and attempt to re-engineer the ones that aren't productive. You know, so there's some precipitous negative event. You default on a loan. You have to declare bankruptcy. And so then that process requires you to say, okay, what are my money habits and how can I change them? which is, of course, a lot harder to do than just develop productive money habits in the first place, right? I mean, I feel like my work with the Gifting Sense Project is a physical manifestation of the adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So how do early made habits positively affect the rest of our lives? Well, it's really quite straightforward when it comes to becoming a money smart young adult. Asking and answering simple questions about typical childhood purchases naturally reveals to school-age children how thinking before buying can help them avoid disappointment, reduce waste, improve family harmony, and protect the planet. And it does it all in one fell swoop, and in our case, for free. Because when you know, for example, the return policy, the warranty, the cost per use of an item, you can answer all the questions adults normally want answered before agreeing to spend money. You know that what you're asking your parents to buy you, for example, for a holiday or a birthday gift is something you'll use and appreciate. You have a full understanding of the true cost of that purchase. And children are very savvy when it comes to their family's economic reality. Uh, I know parents often worry that if they have their children use the DIM score calculator, they might end up asking for something that's not affordable. And in my experience, children are very, very aware of their family's economic situation. And if the answers to the questions we asked, you know, what are the price? How much does sales tax and shipping add? If you want to go to a concert or a sporting event, how much does safe transportation, snacks and souvenirs add to that cost? They will not ask for something that doesn't make sense for their family. And they're actually very astute in understanding what does make sense for their family. So what happens when kids discover that thinking before buying, you know, isn't hard, isn't boring, but rather quite simple and super rewarding? What happens is they no longer need to be encouraged to be thoughtful consumers. They want to be because they don't want repeat gifts or gifts they know they aren't going to use or appreciate, nor do they want to argue with their parents or have bigger than necessary carbon footprints or make contributions to landfills. These early positive experiences, collecting and then using this, you know, it's basic financial information. How much does sales tax and shipping add to the cost of a seemingly small online purchase? But what these experiences do, in addition to helping kids, again, avoid disappointment, reduce waste, improve family harmony, protect the planet, is it allows them to develop the comfort and confidence required to seek out the more sophisticated financial information they'll need later in life when it is relevant and can be helpful. So this is how making financial information feel relevant during childhood, more simply, how giving your kids the early habit of thinking before buying imprints, builds, creates good financial habits that yield positive long-term results for both them and society. 
I love that. That's a great way to end today's episode. One of the things you said early on in the answer there was around the habits sort of getting ingrained in us. And I had a mentoring session this morning with a young student in Singapore, and she asked me about confidence to do the right thing with her money and to know how what to do. And I said to her, I said, look, you're 22. I've got 20 years on you. If think about things this way, your habits, your money habits that you're continuing to make now and you've had for some time, it's going to be much easier for you to unpick any bad habits compared with where I'm at. So I said, yes, we should be getting in much earlier with the good habits. But here we are today as two adult women, your bad money habits are going to be much easier to undo than mine that have been embedded in my life for much longer and so she went away and she thought about that and she's messaged me actually and she said wow I never thought about that and how I've got you know an opportunity now so she listened to that she took that away but it's fantastic the work you're doing Karen I am a huge believer in in this and and obviously we created a course at Sophia for teach parents about these simple relatable tricks and tips they can use for their children so we're singing from the same hymn sheet it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join us today so thank you so much thank you for your time thank you Tanya it was a pleasure here's to early financial education and all that it can accomplish We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Money Makers podcast brought to you by Sophia, the education platform for women. Learn, invest, and change the world.